Hey guys, good morning in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Boy, what a day. What a revelation in the Bible. If it's possible by the grace of God, and only by his grace, to get somewhat of an understanding of this revelation, God has an extraordinary promise. You see, we are his earthen treasure. We are what he wants on planet Earth. This is his dream. It's his desire, much more so than we can imagine. And he has some very specific instructions. If they were followed, life would be what he intended it to be. If you were God, you wouldn't orchestrate the mess on this planet. You wouldn't. You know you wouldn't. You wouldn't have hospitals full. You wouldn't have orphanages. You wouldn't have single families. You wouldn't have war, poverty. None of it. If you had your druthers, you. But he didn't want it either. But he put this planet in our control right back in Genesis. And we've done a heck of a job. But the redemptive story of Joshua and the Jericho Wall is quite remarkable. Now, it's going to take an extra five minutes today because we have to understand the past teachings of the 12 stones in the Jordan River. If you're not familiar with that, probably serve you good to see the teaching from last week. But quickly, they were commanded to take 12 stones and place them at the bottom of the Jordan River. When you think of what the Jordan signifies, horror, death, misery, everything on this planet, sin at its utmost. And he decided that he would plummet the depths of your sin, my sin, everything wrong about us, where we deserve punishment. He would just drown in that misery and die, suffer, torture. And those 12 stones represent that we understand that. Because without that understanding, you'll never have the strength, the desire to go forward and carry the other 12 stones to Gilgal, which is you're testifying. Your life is an open testimony every day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. You're telling someone about the Lord Jesus Christ. You're carrying that revelation all the way to Gilgal. And in Gilgal is where the reproach of our sin is removed after we've blown it really bad. So we want to get to Gilgal, but so few do. Once you understand that, he gave me my life. He saved me from my life. I'm supposed to be proud of him and tell everyone about him. Once you get that, the walls come down if we follow his instructions. But we have to go to Joshua chapter 1 to understand the following story. This is where God is talking to Joshua and says, the way I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And now, this is the promise. Christian, listen to this. Unbelievable. Arise. Go over the Jordan. There we go. And every place where the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given it to you. Listen to that. Everything that you'll tread upon. We need some people who's going to start treading someplace. Get the point? Have you been treading lately? Or have you been a victim and being stomped on lately? He wants you to be the head, not the tail. 
It's a promise. It's a guarantee, except it's not automatic. That's the key of what people don't understand. It's an absolute promise, an absolute guarantee by His Word. But you have to work it out. Then he continues, From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, all the land that you see shall be yours. You, there shall not be any man who's able to stand before you. The way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Now that's critical, because later on he's going to tell Joshua to take off his shoes. Same way he did to Moses. We'll get to that in a minute. So vital to remember that point. But then listen to what happens. And here's where it goes. There's going to be so much bounty that he says, you'll divide everything among you. You're going to have so much. But here's the key. This is where Christianity has lost its accent. And I mean it's lost. And we have to face it if we want the walls to come down. It's not just a charm. We have to do certain things. And later on, we're going to realize how irrational it was that he asked them to do. I mean, it was ridiculous. It's the strangest story in the Bible, the most peculiar story in the Bible. It makes absolutely no sense. And it was a completely God. Bear in mind that Jericho is the oldest city on planet Earth, at the lowest point on planet Earth. Let that sink in. A city of sin, the most awful place, is the oldest and the, the lowest place on planet earth right next to the dead sea what does that signify that's sin going all the way back a low level of life all the way back to the garden we were treacherous betraying one another god it's in the human dna it's unbelievable what we've done to god verse seven listen to this because again i'm going to say this a thousand times if we don't get this we're pretending the wall is going to come down. The wall will come down. Guaranteed. But my God, we have some responsibility in this. Listen to this. Tell me how you in your private life can relate to this. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law. Just like my servant, Moses. Listen. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that you may as prosper whatever and wherever you go and do. In other words, we have to do something. We have to learn. We have, we have to read the Bible. We have to know what to do. It says right there that you may observe to do everything I tell you to do. It continues. This one Later on, he's going to tell them, march for seven days. Don't say a word. Don't speak. Don't make a sound. I don't want to hear anybody talking. Here's the reason why. Because for 40 years, all they did was talk. All they did was talk large and big. Don't worry. We're going to do everything. They did nothing. Bottom line, when it came to put their feet to the fire, they did nothing but complain, murmur, and lie. That's all they did. So he's telling this crew, after 40 years of hearing your nonsense, be quiet. Don't say a word. Not one word. Imagine. Listen to this. Here's the issue. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Listen. But you shall meditate on it day and night. Again, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein it. For then, listen, for then you shall have, I shall make the way prosperous. For then you shall have good success. 
So the words have got to be in our mouth. Analyze the words that are in our mouths. Do they comply with this? The law shall not depart. It's a, it's a talking thing. Again, the 40 years prior, all they did was speak negatively. So God's telling them, you got to talk God words. You have to say God things. You have to speak Bible things. You have to align with me and you'll have great success. Think about that. All they've been doing is failing. It's a, it's a moment. Now when you go to, as we studied this a while ago, today in a different way, here's where we go. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked. So how do we have this success? What do we do to guarantee this success that God promises? Guarantees, but it is not automatic. We have to do something to put the chips in line and get a success that'll, I mean, it will boggle your mind. But there's a qualification. First, he lifted up his eyes. Spiritually, what that's telling you, you got to start looking up higher. Stop living in the natural plane thinking you got it figured out when there's this supernatural being that wants to give you things you don't even know exist. So look up. Look up to God. Stop looking to the boss. Stop looking to the logic. Stop looking to what you think and gaze a little higher to God. Immense teaching. And there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. Here's where it gets really interesting. And Joshua went into him and said a wrong question, a catechally wrong question, categorically. He goes, hey, listen, buddy, you're for us or you're for our adversaries? Wrong question that Christians always ask. God, do this for me because I'm differentiating. I'm, I'm delineating. I'm, I'm analyzing. They're against me. I want the job first or that one's person's wrong. God, bless me. God solve my situation. God heal me. God give me. Matthew 6.33 is the opposite. It says, why don't you ask God what he wants first and maybe then you'll get what you want. Live for God first rather than having God serve you. You become his servant rather than him becoming your servant. How about that one? It's amazing. I'm telling you. So he's wrong question that Christians ask. We ask the wrong question all the time. He answers them firmly. No. How about that for an answer? I've heard that one before. No. But as captain of the Lord of hosts, am I now come? I've come. I'm the boss. You're not. I'm the captain of the armies of God, which includes you. Listen to the response. God, I wish we would do this. Immediately, I have come from the Lord as the captain of his host. Joshua instantly fell on his face to the earth and did worship. And now ask the right question. He, I mean, this is what Christians need to do. Repent in an instant for crying out loud. Doesn't matter if you failed for 40 years. Get it right now and everything will be okay. So he goes from asking the wrong question in an instant to asking the right question. And he goes, Lord, what would you have me to do? What are you going to say to me? What do you want me to do? Not, are you on my side or their side? That's such a low-level question. Because the minute you say, God, what do you want me to do? God's on your side. And everything will go right. It's an obedience factor. The word no and love, when it comes to God, do not go together. Listen to that. I love you, but no, I'm not going to preach to God. It, love and no. 
doesn't go together. It just doesn't. It's Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, just tell me. As long as I know I'm doing what you want me to do, I'm good. Because here comes the prosperity from chapter 1. God was agonizing. 40 years of failure. 40 years he wants them in the promised land. I promise you. I guarantee you. 40 years. And all he continuously gets is a complaint, a murmur, and a no, we won't go in. I don't know how he does it. At least this Joshua knew what to say. He falls on his face. Let me tell you something, and I wish you would write this down in your conscience. I really do. Joshua had to fall down first before the walls would fall down first. We need to fall down first before God if you want those walls to fall down. If you're not falling on your face, forget about walking the Jericho walk. You write it in your conscience. He has to come first. Love obeys. If you love me, you'll obey me. You know how many people say they love God, but when it comes to the action, it falls short. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is so far from me. They'll praise the Lord. I'll do whatever you want until then. No, I, I won't do what you want. It's absolutely riveting. And then the captain of the Lord's host, tell me this is not mind-boggling. You figure he's going to get, put your boots on, start marching. Here's the strategy. Here's the strategy. You want to know what I want you to do? Oh, yes, Lord. Take your shoes off. Same thing with Moses. This is a God moment. It's God talking. Think, think of the high level of absolute ignorance that when God talks, we have an opinion and then give him partial obedience, thinking we love him. Well, okay, if you, after we read this story, I'll urge you to go home and read chapter 7. Immediately, partial obedience. Achan decides one guy out of thousands, one soldier, just one, just one, decides, well, I'm not going to obey 100%. I'm not going to do exactly what I have to do. I'll do 99%. I'll fight. I'll do this. I'll do everything. But I see a Babylonian garment, a wedge of gold. That's good enough for me. No one will know. One guy, one garment, one wedge. And the whole parade is destroyed and stopped partial obedience oh my god it'll get positive in a minute I guess loose the shoe from off your feet for the place where you stand is holy and Joshua did so how can we read this and disobey how can we say no I don't want to witness or I'm not responsible to get disciples do you realize who you're talking to either dismiss God totally and don't waste your time. I say that as polite as it can be said. But if it's God, how in heaven? Right here he's saying, 40 years they didn't do what they were told. 40 years. 40 years. And each one of them died in the wilderness. Claiming they're Jews or claiming they're Christians. Saying they adore me, they love me, they'll do anything. They'll go to China for me. Okay? Go to the mall. No, I'll go to China, but I won't go to the mall. I'll, 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 oh, come on. 
It's just such a sad, pathetic story. Thank you very much. You got it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I genuinely appreciate it. You have no idea. Unbelievable. So he said no. Wrong question. Here's what you need to do. Take those shoes off. Because if you recognize me and that this is holy ground and that this is God talking, then I can replace those shoes and turn them into the feet of an evangelist, turn them into the feet of a warrior. I can use you, Joshua. You'll lead these people in. And he did so. He didn't complain. He didn't continue. He didn't try to rationalize. Because what's about to take place is nothing short of remarkable. And its uniqueness in the Bible has to be studied. Its mere uniqueness has to arrest our attention that something like this could possibly take place. So he gives them this strategy, which is a remarkable strategy. And he tells them the ridiculous story. Put the priests in front, blow the horns, march, and remain quiet. That's a heck of an equation. Priests, trumpets, marching, silence. What does that add up to? Really nothing much until you add one little fact that has to be seen. This thing called the Ark of the Covenant went right along. There you have it. They had the presence of God with them. How can you fail if you have the presence of God? What strategist would ever say, encircle the most impenetrable city? It was the oldest city for a reason. It couldn't be attacked. <laughs> There's a reason this is the oldest city in the world. It was impenetrable. It was impossible. There's no way to get to the city. That's the basis of the story. He obeyed. To tell people in that heat to march around the city and nothing happens day one without complaining, not a word, complete silence. Think about that. The Bible says that even the dogs, the animals made noise. They just walked, stopped, no explanation. The following day, the same set of absolutely absurd directions. And again, a failure. This continues day after day. No wonder he told them to keep silent. Perhaps that could be your problem or my problem, that we don't remain silent. Perhaps when we're given an instruction, it is so bizarre, it is so impossible to fathom that we not only question it, we ridicule it, or we tell other people and criticize it. This is amazing. They actually want me to tell people about Jesus at my work. No, I don't want you to do that. God wants you to do that. I have nothing to do with it. You have nothing to do with it. If you love them, obey. Let me tell you, if you have an obedience, listen, if you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. That's what the problem is. Listen to what I'm telling you. Obedience is not your will. It's not your little pride. It's no, 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 no. It's that you don't love him enough. Because if you love them enough, <laughs> there wouldn't be anything he would ask you to do that you wouldn't consider it to be a joy. You'd want to know, what do you want, Father? Because I adore you and I want to please you. I want to make you happy. I want to put a smile on your face. So it's that obedience. Zero in on the real issue. I don't love God as much as I think I do. Because if I did, 
The purest expression of love is obedience. The purest attestation that you really love God is you telling him what Josh, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. No questions, no reserve. Just tell me. I just want to know it's you. Because if it's you, here we go along for this ride. That's what's missing. So in this, you shall not shout. You shall not make any noise. You shall not raise your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth. Think about those instructions. Think about it. Could we comply today in circling a city? We can't properly if we don't see him drowning in the Jordan River of our sins. If we don't see him truly suffering, our creator, get it. This is a God. This is astonishing that people disobey God. You wouldn't disobey the policeman. If a policeman came in here and said, everybody out, you wouldn't say, heck no. You would comply. We, we would never disrespect an authority figure. God is talking. God is present. God has given you instructions where he goes, if you will do this, you will have such success, I'll use you as a testimony. And he's so desperate for this that that scripture, which is so painful, we hear it and it just rolls over our heads that this Lord is searching creation. Is there anybody? Can I find someone that I can show on their behalf to the world that I'm God. He says out of the mouth of Jesus, when I come back, will I find faith? This is a broken-hearted God. There's no denying about it. It wasn't the sword that stabbed him. In the, it wasn't the sword. It was us that stabbed him in that heart. And we repeatedly, ongoing, just take that heart in our hands and just, whatever, cut it to pieces. We can't handle our arrogance, we can't handle our tempers, we can't handle our mouth, we can't handle our relationships, everything wounds us or offends us or gets us angry, we got to criticize every stupid mistake somebody makes, we don't girdle our own selves, we don't do anything, we just abandon whatever the moment calls for, let's just go. Meanwhile, he's got his own head in his own hands, does anybody love him? The problem was not the Canaanites. The problem was not the enemy. The problem was not Jericho. That was not the battle. The battle is in the hearts of the men and in the minds of the men and women. The battle is in here. Can I win your heart? I'm fighting for it desperately, says the Lord. I'll do whatever you require to win your heart. I'll do anything. But you won't even answer me. You won't serve me. You want me to serve you. You want me to be the captain of your agenda. Whereas if you would only serve me, you would see what a great king that I am. The sovereign of the universe. I will manifest. He says it with a pleading heart. Can you see God as a victim? Can you see this poor man suffering, wanting love? Could you just see it? He's on my... It's... it's John 14, if you love me, what is he saying? 
see it, feel it, if you love me. That if is horrible. It's horrible. It's so wounding. We're so cold. God, if you love me, why would he even care? God, the creator, saying if, please, look my way, give me a thought, try, I'll meet you halfway. If you love me, obey me. And believe me, ladies and gentlemen, he wants to rip down that Jericho wall that's impossible in your lives. Those things, that, that's what the story is so unique, because this really was impossible. But to God, he loves us so much, there wouldn't even be a battle. There wouldn't even be a fight. The walls would just pulverize. He would just demolish themselves because he's who he is, and he wants to do it. But most of us won't take our shoes off. Most of us won't see the Jordan. Most of us, my God, if you analyze the churches all over the world, I'm talking about every church, hardly anybody evangelizes. 99% of the people do not witness all over the planet. Can you imagine that failure rate? 99% of the people never make a disciple. They could be born again for 70 years. They never make a disciple. They never conduct a Bible study. They never create a lighthouse. You got, do you hear that? I don't know how this man's heart takes it. I don't know. So yes, those walls will march down in a moment. But before you say, I'm ready to march for my walls to come down, before you say that, analyze quietly. If God has asked you to do things and you haven't done them, Listen, we could preach this message from the victory point of view. We'll all march shouting and screaming, and we will, and tomorrow morning will be the same. I'm trying to give you the true gospel by the grace of God, a gospel that'll show you the power of God. Amen. Listen to this scripture, if you don't mind. Because this is very telling. In Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith, of course, they come to the walls of Jericho. And listen to the commentary out of the mouth of God. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after, after they were compassed about seven days. That's out of the mouth of God. By faith, but it was after the people walked the seven days. Not before, not before they had acts of faith. It's one thing to say, I believe God, I adore you, I'll do anything in the world. And then, what then? What's when the then comes? When that happens, the then of Joshua 1 and the after of Hebrews 11. What then? That's the issue. It didn't come before, it came after. Love obeys, love acts. That's, in, I mean, the absolute issue. I pray that today you'll take a few moments. I really do. And you'll think. 
Where does God want you to go? What does God want you to do with this precious gift called life that he has given us?